compassion. For me, compassion is unconditional love. And compassion does not balk in the face of difficulty or pain. That quality of compassion is about being able to face suffering. Metta is what we practice to offer well-being to others, say to others, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be peaceful. And compassion is what we offer to people when they're in pain, when they're suffering. We feel compassion. We feel the difficulty with them to give them strength. And we give that compassion to ourselves. May you be able to bear with the suffering that you are experiencing. May you be able to overcome it. Perhaps we want to never have suffering. But if we never suffer, how can compassion arise? Suffering is written into the formula of this human body. Is it not? We suffer when we're born. If we don't eat, we're hungry. If we don't dress, we feel cold. If we don't see other human beings, we feel lonely. We feel so much. It's too hot, too cold, too big, too small, too happy, too sad, too pleasant, too painful, too pleasant. When you have something beautiful over and over again, it becomes painful. With the chanting, when I do Dhamma chants, I don't get tired. I can chant the same thing over and over again, and I don't get tired of it. Why? Because it helps to bring the mind to stillness. It helps to quiet the mind. And eventually, the chant just dissolves, and the mind is silent in the chanting. But with other kinds of pleasant experience, even pleasant food, the most delicious food, that's why the world is so full of choice. Because human beings are never satisfied with the same thing over and over again. So it keeps dividing into more and more refinements of pleasure. Let's add this to it. And let's add that to it. Even when we painted the Buddha, it used to be brown and red. We loved it at first. Then we started to notice all the cracks and gullies and imperfections. It's never perfect. If we look for perfect anything, we're going to suffer. And if we look for the perfection in the world, we would never understand the Dhamma. We would never see the Dhamma because the perfection can only happen within us. So compassion is to realize that there is suffering. It's to realize the Four Noble Truths. Just to understand suffering is the cure 
to end suffering. So just to be able to understand that this self is not true is to understand the depth, the truth of that which is empty of self. But it takes a lot of insight to understand suffering because we're so afraid of it. And fear is the opposite of faith and of love. So we can't even set foot on the path without faith. The Eightfold Noble Path requires right view. And right view means that we have enough compassion to study suffering within us. Then we will develop right view. Then we will develop right intention. And right intention is a compassionate intention because it's looking to non-harming anyone. Non-ill will and non-cruelty, that's right intention. And right intention is also renunciation. So if you're able to give up enough to have that view of the Dhamma, that view of the selflessness of this body-mind process, and to have enough faith to practice so that we can renounce the self. We have to understand the emptiness of this self. Then we can really give up what has to be given up. Our attachment to things, to possessions, to creating this self. We are the architects of the self. And then you have right speech, right action, right livelihood. This is virtue. Without virtue, there is no path. It's that blamelessness. As long as we are blameworthy, the path is not complete. So if the roof of this building had a hole in it, eventually that little crack would get bigger and bigger, water would leak in, water would despoil the furnishings, the construction, everything. And eventually the whole place would rot. So if we want to develop virtue, but we only do it 90%, that means there's a hole. The hole is where the rot begins. To see the harm in not being able to keep virtue is the intention of non-harming. Then we would repair the whole out of compassion for our community and for ourselves too to keep the sanctuary pure. And to keep ourselves pure too. We hold our virtue foremost. It's the basis. It's the foundation. And then we have right mindfulness, right effort, right concentration. So the mindfulness that is alert, we're aware, we see, we have the ability to know the difference between the objects in the mind and the awareness that knows those objects. And we have the ability to remember that day in and day out. So we're not so caught up 
by our attachment to the world that we forget to be deeply mindful. Not just the cursory being aware of that delicious taste, but to see the attachment to the pleasant and the fear of the unpleasant, the aversion to it that disables us from being mindful when we're suffering. We hear stories of those women in Ukraine, in Kyiv, in all those different towns that are being bombed, starting fires outside where they're being shelled to cook food for the people in the basements because how would they eat down in the subway? They can't cook their food down there. So these women are out in the street cooking where the bombs are falling. That kind of fearlessness. So think about the bombs in our life falling on us. They might not be those type of grenades and explosives, but each of us knows what it is to feel like we've been bombed. We've been betrayed. We've been hurt. We've been cut. We either cut ourselves, deceive ourselves, betray ourselves, delude ourselves, or other people do it to us. So to keep cooking, keep walking the path even when the bombs are falling. And then the mind can focus courageously, one-pointedly. We are there. We're not leaving. We're staying. It's difficult. We're staying. It's painful. We're there. And when we're dying, we have no choice. So this is preparation for that ultimate time when death is about to happen and we're in terrible pain, but we can face it. We can be with it. We hold the Dhamma to the heart, in the heart. The light in the heart is shining. It's radiant. The mind is serene. It's calm. That's compassion. And that is wisdom. So patience is love. True faith is fearless. Those who truly love want for nothing. They understand fear. That's compassion. It's fearless. It's trusting. We're talking about unconditional compassion. It is the whole path. Wisely, compassionately, we walk the path. So we have time for a question. I, uh, you mentioned the word faith. I was given by a Sri Lankan monk a Pali name, Unshakable Faith. I'm wondering what faith means. Is it just having faith in the Buddha or is it broader than that? What do we have faith in now? We have to examine how shallow our life has become. Everybody hangs on to their cell phone. 
We have faith in our cell phone. We have faith in this object that really cannot help us when we're in trouble. Is it going to resolve our relationship troubles? Is it going to bring light into our depression? Is it going to love us? Is it going to make us courageous? It will never make us content for long. So faith in the Buddha is when we take refuge, what do we do when we say Buddhang saranam gachami? We're not taking refuge in a person. We're taking refuge in the enlightenment of the Buddha, a supreme being, supremely enlightened. And we have faith in his enlightened wisdom. When the Buddha was about to pass away and he was asked who would lead the Sangha when the Buddha was no longer, and he said there would be no one. The Dhamma would guide us and lead us. It's the teaching. This was an incredible declaration of truth that ultimately the Buddha and the Dhamma are synonymous. Because Buddha mind is enlightened wisdom. And the Dhamma is that which we are enlightened to or with. It's the teaching. It is the truth that gives that enlightenment. So the Dhamma eye, the eye is opened to that truth. So Buddha mind, the mind of the Buddha, there is no Buddha. It's just a manifestation of consciousness of a being aware and developed enough to realize that truth. And all of us have that potential within us. But to have known that there was this being that was fully enlightened and to have faith in that gives us enough leverage, enough of a standing place We only need the earth under our two feet to stand up. We only need that much faith, the faith in the Buddha, to stand up and trust that we can walk this path, that there is a path, and it's our own feet that walk it. It's not somebody else's. You don't have to trust somebody else to walk the path but yourself. So trusting in the Buddha taking refuge in the Buddha, is like a protection. When it rains, do you trust that the umbrella will protect you from the wet? Why is that? Because we know a little bit about physics. Simple. There's the hard matter and the the water element. The water element slides off the earth element, which is the umbrella, and it protects us from the rain. Otherwise, we wouldn't stand under it. We wouldn't get under a roof. We wouldn't sit next to a fire if we didn't know that the heat element warms the other elements. In the same way, because we sit down and we practice emptying the mind of all the rubbish and experiencing the silence in the mind, we see the truth of this teaching in little tiny sips. Now, this is a kind of medicine that 
the more you get, the more effective it is. There are certain things that we shouldn't take too much of, but the more Dhamma there is in our life, the more safety, the more health, the more joy, the more wisdom, the more compassion, it doesn't end. It doesn't diminish, it only increases. It doesn't poison, it only cures. We have to trust that. That's the kind of faith that you need. It's a practical faith. It's not some kind of magical faith. It's a practical faith, but it is miraculous. And it's hauntingly beautiful. So I highly recommend it. (laughs) That unshakable faith happens when you see, when the eye opens to the Dhamma in a powerful way. Then you have unshakable faith. When you realize the state of Sotapanna, when you would have total faith in Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, that's unshakable faith. When you enter the stream and you know that this stream is it, you never get out of it. So it's unshakable. You're always in it. And faith is something that grows. It develops. So be patient. Patience is love. Patience is compassion, too. And it's fearless. That's why faith and patience go together so much. All these qualities. We have to be patient. So that's probably a good name. Savor it and practice it and realize the Dhamma. Thank you very much, Aya. Waking up to the Dhamma is not separate from shaving off some of the attachments that we have to worldly things and worldly pleasures. It's really important to remember that. That quality of renunciation is very, very useful. And yeah, just giving up. And see the power of that giving up. Don't shy away from it. Be mindful of when we're pulled into things that take us off the path. Trust the path more than the world and you'll be safe. The Buddha says, not apart from awakening and austerity, not apart from sense restraint, not apart from relinquishing everything. Do I see any safety for any living being? That's what the Buddha said. And here we are always trying to squeeze a little bit more of something into our life that we think won't hurt. But within us, we know it will. So trust your Buddha mind and keep listening to what the Buddha's instructions are, not to your own instructions, and know the difference. 
Let's sit together, shall we?